This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Jesse. And I'm George Czar. Hey, George. Welcome. Yeah. Hi. I, let's have a discussion. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Great idea. Definitely Great idea. not an interview. No, no. <laughs> no. Interviews always end in garbage somehow. Right? No, no. They start or... to get good at the end. They start. Oh, okay. They stay in garbage, and then right at the end, they start to get interesting when. Gotcha. Okay. Everybody has to go home. Well, so we uh, start at the end. Through what's that? We're going to start at the end. We're going to start at the end and work backwards. That's the after party. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> hey, through the grapevine, I, I believe that you are uh, George Czar of Seeing Ear Theater fame. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Yes. yes. I am one of yes. <laughs> and now, seeing of- seeing your theater was the the audio drama that appeared on um, SciFi dot com from the SciFi Channel. Is that the yeah, only it was place the, it appeared? It, Go ahead. It, it was the original, the the area where they had the original audio dramas because they did have sections where they were replaying older stuff. Um, yeah, and it, the stuff that was on there, although it did premiere. At the very beginning, it was um, Brian Smith and uh, John Colucci, the engineer, who decided, let's make this a very high quality so it can go further than just this, you know, very early real audio mishmash. And eventually it did go on. Uh, it was heard on NPR. It was on Sirius Satellite Radio. Uh, it's been other places. It's on the web, uh, on SFF Audio now. <laughs> well, sort Which of. is good. I'm glad. That's great. I, I, I can't. I can't tell you how many emails I've got saying, oh, thanks so much. Uh, and other people say, you know, they've got uh, little bits and bobs here that was on their old hard drive somewhere, and they're going to try and dig it up. Um, uh, we're actually not hosting those files, but the fact that they're out there on somebody's website is really great. Well, I think it's neat. I, it was kind of interesting when I spoke to you, uh, Jesse, once before. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's outside the scope of this discussion because no, we no, actually not, were talking no. for the first time. Uh, for the audience, after. I've never met these gentlemen before. But um, if we had been speaking before, um, what I probably you had asked me about certain files or certain shows that are missing. Uh huh. I was offhandedly saying, "Oh, I have the CD right here." Wow. Which was freaking you out, I think. Yeah, it totally. Well, you, you called me out of the blue after I posted that story, and I, George Czar, that name is really familiar. I'd just been like, I guess, writing about it, you know, fifty or sixty times in that giant post, and. Um, and then you know I didn't I didn't make the connection between. Uh, yeah. And I've been a visitor to your website just uh, on my own. Uh huh. Uh, prior. Yeah. Wow. I thought I thought uh, I thought we were toiling in obscurity, but here we have got famous people. No, no, no. It's it, the web is the same as radio. I think it's it's rather than being in front of an audience where you get immediate response. Somebody told me it's like doing your laundry by flushing it down a toilet. It kind of goes away, and you don't hear anything more. Uh, yeah. Except here, you do get more. I mean, you do get. E- I mean, with that sci-fi thing, we got emails from all over the country and all over the world, actually, while we were doing it. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, really, it's the, it's the, you know, there's so much audio drama on the internet now. Um, it's unbelievable. But even so, I don't think there's been any release since 
since the beginning of the internet that has been as big as as what the senior theater did because um, there's there's just you know you can see, it's sort of seeing what the power of a budget can do to production uh-huh. right you get uh-huh. actors who who are pros you get uh, you know people who who are doing it not just for the money but because they love it and they're getting paid so they can actually show up for work oh yeah we realized that at the time <laughs> and it was a lot of work I mean it was an awful lot of work I put in really long hours on that but enjoyed it um, you know I guess I'm, I'm one of the people who do, who still does the audio drama stuff mm-hmm. and, and it it's um, is that is that a sound back there? I'm sorry, that? my it was my cell phone just went off. I, oh, I thought we were we were doing a radio drama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was I thought it was a fan hissing. I didn't know what that. <laughs> no, no. Um, but what I I'm one of the people who who does, still does audio drama, and I'm really vicious about what it should be and how you should do it. I'm very very tough and very stringent about within with my my standards, and I that's why I work with those folks because they had the same. It, it really has nothing to do... The original company, I had been part of a company called Zipper, Z-P-P-R. I spoke mm-hmm. to Jesse about that. And originally, we were going to call it BB&S, Beg, Borrow, and Steal, because uh, we were doing it with no budget. If you do it right, if you spend the time to write the scripts correctly, which a lot of people don't bother with, um, if you actually have people who can act or who can learn to act, if you have people who can learn or can direct... If you have any brains about recording or post-production, you can really do it on the cheap. It yeah, does I, not require a lot of money. It doesn't require a lot of money. But I've heard big, fancy, all bells and whistles productions that are dead on arrival. Awful. Hmm. And that's one of the reasons I think that a lot of modern audio drama is not, it's not happening as a big wave. Because well, a lot of it is just awful. What do you feel that is a, the most common error people make on their scripts? Wow. Well, let's put it this way. You're starting with people can't see anything. Okay? So mm-hmm. you've got to make it clear every inch of the way who's speaking and where it's coming from. Then also, a lot of people launch into this. If they have a device that can record, well, they can do audio drama. Uh, how about a good script? How about a good story? How about, you know, a good way to start is learning adapt first. Yeah. But I've, uh, if I want to vacate... Now, I'm, I'm writing a couple of plays for um, a company. I've been on vacation this summer, and I've been everywhere I've been visiting, I keep getting gigs. So it's now I'm writing two 10-minute two plays for this place in Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. And it's like a vacation from audio. It's, it's less stringent. Because you have to keep... You have no visual to keep people hooked in. You lose their attention right away unless you're there every second. You really have to just keep the ball in the air. A lot of people don't understand the basics of story writing, or just because I understand something doesn't mean somebody else will, or just because I think something is funny doesn't mean somebody else will find it funny. Hmm. You know, again, I, I used the one. A friend of mine used an analogy once. He called it the baby analogy. With a baby, you want to keep a baby's attention. You do something bright in front of them. You wiggle something, dig 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 dig, then you do something bright and go. Ooh, and flash in front of their eyes. Then you go, oh, blah, 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 blah. you make a face. Then you, do, you you keep the balls in the air. You keep it interesting. Not necessarily a three-ring circus. And I'm very tough on myself with that. And my scripts, I, I have, I'm, I've always been lucky to have friends who will 
you know, I'll send them my scripts and I get them back covered in red. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like, so with the with the seeing air theater stuff, did did you write most of the scripts or uh, where did the scripts come? I from? was I was a, I was a, uh, one of the main writers. We had two. What we had mainly, it was two branches. Brian Smith was the executive producer, and I was the senior producer. But functionally, we were the two producers. And he tended to get more writing from, from outside guys. Brian is a writer. Mm-hmm. And we actually co-wrote some stuff. But he, he would get, uh, you know, science fiction writers to actually do their scripts. Oh, really? And I t- yeah. And I tended to either, I had a, 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 me and two other guys. Andrew Jaffe, who was an old friend who came from Zipper. And uh, Tony Daniel, who is a sci-fi writer. Mm-hmm. And I got him, we worked with him to learn to write audio drama. So he was doing adaptations of other people's stuff as well as his own. But my, my feeling was just because these folks wrote a really good story doesn't mean they know how to write audio drama. You know, mm-hmm. just because you did one doesn't mean you know the other. And it, uh, sometimes it would kill me, not necessarily with our work, but to hear an author write audio drama and spoil their work, louse it up. I, like I'm a big believer that an author shouldn't necessarily write their own film script. It's a whole different medium. It's a whole different discipline. Maybe try writing it with somebody. Because I, I, I've had people say also, wow, I'd like to take a vacation and write some audio drama. It looks like fun. What vacation? <laughs> it's, a lot, it's a lot of work. And to get it right. And that's just getting the writing correct. Mm-hmm. And I, my casting, I wrote a whole piece on casting. It was like 75% of it is getting the right guys. And you have to get people who, you know, and then there's a little thing of like, if the three of us were in an audio drama, I would, I would cast it. I would try and make it so that our voices were different ranges or different accents. So right off the bat, you could tell who's who. I'll do the That's Canadian not- accent, eh? <laughs> well, but a lot of people will do that. You'll have three people speaking the same, and the guy goes, how are you? Fine. Okay, let's go. Uh-huh. What's that? It's my hat. It's my-. You go, who's saying that? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and then the technical, people not knowing how to use mics. People not knowing how to edit, people, you know, having long, boring speeches, pages of stuff. A lot of people write, you know, two-act play, you know, two, a, a, a one-act play. Two people in a rowboat, you know. It's like, that's not audio drama, that's two guys in a rowboat. Uh, well, you, I think you guys did, uh, maybe it wasn't you, but I know there was one, there was a couple of experimental pieces that... Probably that, me. <laughs> was that you? I'm, tr- I'm th- trying to think of the... Uh, there was one that was described as. Um, oh God! I'm gonna it, have to look at your have to look at your web page. Yeah, to me too. Um, uh, I, I mean, <laughs> there's just so much there. But um, there was one that was described as kind of, um, I guess, a bunch of people sort of in hell or maybe not. Um, oh well, there's too late an experiment in sound. That's by that's the one. You, yeah, Brian wanted. Brian yeah. yeah, he wanted to Except, do that. And we wrote it together. But that was based on, I had done, uh, I had to do an audio demonstration uh, for the National Audio Theater Festivals. And I said, well, rather than just doing an audio demonstration, ho-hum, why don't I write a play with just sound effects and no dialogue? And it was called Uhu, which is what my grandmother used to say when she saw me, Uhu. So that's, that, was, that was the dialogue. And so people would say it, you know, quizzically, happily. You know, a man met a woman, he goes, ooh-hoo, 
ooh, ooh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but that kind of stuff, and with sound effects, and the whole story was told. Uh, then for the National Audio Theater Festival's um, A Capital Idea, with a dialogue with the 50 capitals of the states. I just set that up, and they said, great idea, and they scheduled it, and then I had to write it. <laughs> a challenge. Uh, but then for the sci-fi channel, there was, um, oh, what the heck is the name of the thing? What's, what's another wordless? Oh, Meet the Neighbor. Okay. Uh, and that was, uh, Brian then commissioned me to write that. He said, well, because of that other stuff you've written, uh, why don't you write that? Or he said, write a piece. So I called it Meet the Neighbor, and it's a man landing on a planet and meeting an alien. But that's no dialogue. Totally sound effects. And what I've found when I play that for people, adults get nervous and children understand it totally. <laughs> you tell me. I, I don't know what that means. It's, a, it's amazing that you can tell a story with no, no, no picture and no dialogue. Well, somebody that's, said, that's pretty George, well, they said, hey, it's like silent pictures for, for radio. And I said, <laughs> that's an oxymoron. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was a challenge. But, I see, I believe, because now I'm, uh, well, let me fill you in. What I'm doing now, mm-hmm. full time, is uh, teaching. That just happened uh, like a year ago. Uh, I was asked to do a little um, summer teaching at the uh, Columbia College in Chicago. And I was one week teaching audio drama, actually, to high school kids. Um, a week into cool. it, I got a, I got a two-year contract for a full gig, like a, being a full professor. And then another week after I started that, I got a five-year contract. So I'm in the middle of that right now, and I'm living in Chicago. Neat. And I'm having a chance of testing my theories and actually finally verbalizing a lot of the stuff that I and Brian and a lot of us just did intuitively. Well, I assume there's going to be a textbook you're going to have to write. uh, Actually, Marcy Mencotti and I are working on a textbook. That's great. A lot of my older scripts and little things, but I want it to be fun. Yeah, yeah. I would love to have one of those. Well, why not? But one thing I found, I call it the three building blocks of audio drama. And I said, oh, what's that? A guy from uh, Europe or Ireland heard me say that. He goes, what? What are you talking about? Three building blocks? What? Audio drama is still alive and well in Europe. It's still going in you know, Canada, America. As soon as TV came in, you know, gone. Uh, I'm a television baby. I mean, I came across this when I was in college. Um, but the three building blocks are voice and sound effects and music. And I tend to use those equally. I'm not word bound. I don't just have guys going blah, 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 blah. And... I tell my students, and I, they actually a lot of them are following me, God help them. And they're, uh, I said, it should follow the Swedish rule, which is if it suddenly turned into Swedish, it should still sound interesting. Uh, that's because I'm also a composer, um, and I've written orchestral pieces and arrangements and things, and you don't have words there. So you've got loud and soft and, and staccato, you know, choppy and legato, smooth. You know, you've got high notes with piccolos and low notes with tubas and, you know, all stringy rough things and smooth things. And you play with all those sounds. So it should sound interesting. That's another way of getting people in. It's not just blah, 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 blah. And the ultimate was I took the words out totally. 
since then, I've used it as an exercise with my students. Uh, they each pick a word, you know, so they'll say, oh, soliloquy. They'll pick some, and then I, they have to swap, so they get some other guy's word. And then they have to write a two-minute piece with just that word. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And then we, they, read, they read it, and people have to figure out what the heck it is. Uh, uh, why isn't there a podcast feed for your class? Why? I want to hear that stuff. And, and you know what? I, this is what I say to my students. I say, um, you know, if you're going to do a story summary, it's not just going to be uh, you know, on a piece of paper. It's going to be on Wikipedia. If it's not already there, we'll put it up there. And, well, and it, now, oddly, oddly enough, you say that. <laughs> oh, really? Odd, odd you say that. Um, the course I've just finished was uh, I got a group of students, six of them. Now, this semester coming up, I'm doing it again. Uh, and the six students were to write a 15-part series. Subject, we don't know. That was their choice. They had to come up with it. Each episode was 15 minutes long, and I worked with them. But they had to come up with it, so high concept. And again, all these characters, breakdowns, this, that, and then they all went off and wrote different chapters and then rewrote other chapters of each other. And at the moment, it's going. To, some students are doing the final editing on it. And we want to release it free to all the colleges and all the radio stations and probably put it online, too. Great. Well, yeah, on, online's got to be the, the, the first place to put it. Yeah. Because just, just to get the number of you know, people out there, well, hey, put it on our website as a, uh, you know, go here to get it, and you'll get a lot of... Let me see how it sounds first. Okay. Um, okay. But it's called Babylon, Wisconsin. That's what they came up with. All the different voices, maybe. Yeah, and then all the students, Marcy Mencotti then, to make this really fair, I took, the the course was in three parts. The first part was the writing. When I was finished, we had 15 scripts. (laughs) She took the middle part, which is in J-term. That's the January course between semesters. And she got actors from all over the school, the theater department, the radio department, and they performed it. Then I took the raw tracks in the spring semester and got a bunch of students together, and they put it together into a series. It's all, and one, uh, guy's, one guy's brushing it up right now. They said they've never six, done that before. Six months or nine-month pro- project. Well, it has to be long enough that people can do it. Yeah. Uh, and it has to, you know, and you have to have uh, academic reasons for doing stuff and everything. Uh, the, the music is original. I mean, it's pretty cool. Uh, I once did a um, uh, with uh, I guess it was two summers ago. I did a adaptation of a three-page Isaac Asimov short story, um, and it was it was a ton of work. It was a ton of work. I mean, I did it with my class, but there's so much you have to deconstruct. You have to deconstruct the story, not just read it. You have to deconstruct uh-huh. it and figure out, okay, what is the essential point of what she's saying? Is there you know, and this isn't spoken. How do we get that into the script? Because it's so important. And it was, it was when it, it was finished. But it was, I'm pretty sure, really terrible. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it's really terrible. But I, oh. I sent it off to a friend of mine who's uh, who's a uh, audio dramatist. And you know, it's we don't have any permissions or anything. But um, I wanted something really short and something we could do. And we performed it in the class. Right, we didn't record it, of course. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, should have, but it, it just—it was, uh, you know. It's easier than you think. Young. It's easier than you think. 
Oh yeah, we had uh, we had no resources, unfortunately, and that was even before I had an iPhone, so I could have recorded it on that. But um, uh, it was it was uh, it wasn't terrible give, after we can, you know we, were, I, we workshopped can, it a bit. See, and I can give you some tips for writing with kids because I've had a chance to do that, and yeah. they actually turned out some nice stuff. Well, one was a, in, again. I make this up as I go along. I, I'm. They said, like the Antichrist of teaching. I, I'm, not, I'm not an academic by any means. Uh, but this was okay. So sound effects would be one problem. How do you get yeah. sound effects? Okay, we gathered up as much junk as we could. I had it in front of the class, and then I worked each one of them. Jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. Bang, bang, bang. What does it sound like? Sounds like a snake. Sounds like a this. Yeah. When I was finished and we had the list on the board, one kid was keeping tabs of it, and I said, "Those are the sounds you have to work with." Yeah, tell your story using these uh, these tools. So right there, you've got you've got parameters, but also you don't have to look for any sound effects. You got them. Yeah, I yeah, I think uh, I think uh, that that was what we did as well. I mean, we we did it yeah. very um, primitively, but uh, the thing is is. But that's not primitive. That's not primitive. I've worked that way. You have certain voices or certain sound effects or certain music, and you just have some really crazy tight parameters, and sometimes you get your most creative work that way. I bet it wasn't primitive. I bet it was decent. Uh, no, it was pretty bad. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> no, see, gotta, let my, gotta, let's I see what my, we got. We got some pencils and a stapler, uh, maybe a hole puncher. That's the ship door opening. <laughs> or whatever it was. I actually, yeah, but see, but see, but see, but you said ship door opening. You actually, do the whole punch and say, what is... Yeah. Yeah, but see, what you have to say is, click, 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 what does this sound like? Yeah. yeah so if you don't have a ship door around, ship door's not in the script. That's right. Well, we we did an adaptation, so we were... Oh, okay. Well, that's okay, I see. Yeah, I, I mean, mostly mostly it was it was the, the production, and everybody worked on little bits of it, and we, we worked it back. Oh, that's neat. That's neat. Yeah, it was, yeah, that's it was cool. fun. It was yep. a, it was it was weeks of work though. I, I I mean I was shocked how how much effort it went into it. And I guess as you go, you get that experience that ups your level of um, you know. Yes. Uh, yes. I guess false starts start dropping away. Well, it's like anything else. I mean the 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 rule with drawing is everybody has ten thousand bad drawings inside them. The sooner you get them out, the better you get. Mm-hmm. I apparently have 110,000 because uh, I'm still working <laughs> well, on... Uh, all right, you got a ways to go, but keep going. Yep. Usually when I did productions, anybody who was like would wander in and go, what are you doing? They were in the script. <laughs> I did that at Cyber... I had some strange... Oh, in the in the... I shouldn't give some of these away. I mean, it's so stupid, some of the stuff I pulled. Hmm. Um, but I'll tell you, adaptations sometimes are hard... Now, I had to teach my guys how to do adaptations, but the way I do them is I just either scan the story or I have it online somehow, and I just start at the top and just start changing. Yeah. I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. You know, you just go for it. I, I do, I'm very intuitive in what I do. I mean, later I'll print it and, and look at it. Uh, and I think I, I mentioned that one thing I found with a lot of the sci-fi stories, which was a surprise to me, um, the dialogue usually is not so hot. Uh, in audio drama when I write and I know uh, people I admire write different people speak in different ways they have different vocabulary or they break up their sentences or they use a phrase over and over again or they, mm-hmm. you know, they have, so if you just read the dialogue 
and you put your hand on the left side of the page and cover up who's saying it, you should be able to tell who's talking. And in short stories, you find everybody speaks like the author. It just has quotes on it. They don't write good dialogue. When you clear all the spinach away, I mean, I'm not knocking anybody in particular, but you know, you, you move all the, the shrubbery away, uh, you read it, and it's like, whoa. And you have to actually rewrite the dialogue based on what that shrubbery was all around it. There's a lot of, hmm. well, especially science fiction stories, that have no dialogue as well, right? It's, it's just... Uh, third-person description, or even, you know, uh, telling, you know, there was a little man oh. who lived, you know, uh, and, na- you know, narration, I guess, is the big no-no that everybody doesn't want to put into their audio drama because it's bad, somehow well, bad. But I, 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 I love narration when it's done well. When it's done well, it's just, oh, it's yeah, so I'm easy one of the guys, to do it badly. I'm one of the guys who's who's anti-narration, unless the narrator is a character and it's goofy. I'll do it as a dump. Because it's too easy to have somebody just going again, blah, blah, blah. I don't yeah. want to hear a guy say, he strode into the room lustily. Let's hear the sound effects and let's hear the man lustily striding in. I mean, <laughs> I mean do it. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 oh God, I forgot I was going to say. Oh yeah, the, um, on the sci-fi page, on the sci-fi thing, which now appears in your, uh, on your website, SFF yep. Audio. Yeah, that's uh, also a, basically the only place it appears. Which uh, is good. I mean, it's nice to see even the artwork. Wow. Yeah, I, uh, it was quite a fun time trying to assemble it all from all the different sources. But I think it looks better than our original page. Yeah, um, yeah, they yeah had, at some points it was pretty clunky. But it, it was also so long ago that HTML was basically just just the, yep. its infancy, right? I remember. I remember. Now, there's a piece here called, it's, it's with Tony Danza. Right. Uh, what is it? Good Night's Work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lock story, right now I th- I did that adaptation. That is a solo narrator, the whole story. It's a good. It's a it's a good um, it's a good story. But I think we're missing the second half or the first. Oh, see now that's probably half. the one when I spoke to you on the phone. I said, oh, I have the CD right here. Yeah, I th- I th- I think there's another source somewhere online, but um, I've only got it says sorry folks, only second part is available. I guess whoever well, uploaded. Well, why don't you get it from the source? I'll send it to you. Oh, happily. I'll happily take it. Hell, I've probably got the rough tracks. Make up your own show. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds oh. good. Oh, God. Um, no, but that was, that was, that's a case in point. That was a narrator, solely. And I had to break that up into dialogue, into setting, into sound effects. Um, also, he spoke to himself a lot. Yeah. Or he, or he would be required to do that. So I gave him a dog, which was not in the original story. It was it was a uh, he was a convict who was yeah, trying yeah, to come clean I think, and I I gave him a dog I called the dog Sing Sing because he named dogs after where he lived, and so the dog was there <laughs> so he could speak to the dog, but I didn't have to you know roof roof and I wasn't lousing up the dialogue at all. Mm-hmm. So, so tr- tricks uh, like that. Here's, I mean. here's a here's the gossipy part, and you can feel free to say nothing, uh, but <laughs> take that as as uh, I, I, I know where the bodies are. <laughs> <laughs> well, um. My uh, a couple of uh, cousins of mine live uh, in Sherman Oaks, and apparently uh-huh. they live on the same street as Tony Danza, and they say he's a real asshole as a neighbor. So <laughs> I wanted to ask you, what's the straight dope? Is he? A, he's a, is what's Tony, the straight dope? Is Tony, Tony Danza, Danza cool guy? Tony Danza could not have been nicer. Uh, I with between Brian and I. No, I say okay. I shouldn't say this because then you can look on the site and figure it out. 
the guys I worked with were very, very nice and could not have been nicer or worked harder. And it always gives you a warm feeling when you meet somebody who's got a name and they're nice. Because a lot of them are jerks. Uh, he, uh, I don't know if I told you the story about this. I wanted to uh, have two voices that were, you know, set apart from each other. So who else but use, you know, Arthur Dent, you know, use Simon Jones. Yeah, that's amazing. He just, he just finished a Broadway play, and I said, okay, he's around. And I said, who would be the opposite? Tony Danza. My brother. Yeah, they're definitely def- not, uh, you know, a, a, a pair of twins. No, somebody said, who in God's, I said, can you, now here, there's a thing of two different voices. Yeah, you Brooklyn can't versus, those I guess, uh, I don't know, Eaton. <laughs> Pretty much. No, but Tony, um, I contacted him. You know, we, and we paid these guys like what you would pay, a, you know, for a, a, a doing an episode of a, of a series. I mean, it was good pay. We flew them in, put them in a nice hotel. Uh, and Tony, I, I wrote a song for that piece, which he had to sing. So I listened. I got I dug up a couple of happy what not happy days. Old um, McDonald, you can keep your farm. Farm, that's the song. That's by the song. George Zarr. Yeah, because I had a monologue and I said, this is boring. I'll make it a song. Uh, and I, I figured out his key. And he came in, so we had a reading. He showed up, and everybody was there. And he goes, so can you sing the song for me? <laughs> Not being a singer, but thinking ahead and bringing a machine with the, with the recorded track, I sang it to him. And then he just said, George, I'll sing the shit out of it for you. I said, okay, that sounds good. I didn't know if he was going to attack me. I didn't know who he was. The, the guy could not, he said, let's do it again. I could do this better. I mean, he rehearsed, he rehearsed, he rehearsed. We had lunch. He, you know, there were people around. He invited them in. Let's have, you know, he was the nicest guy in the world. Cool. Just so, a very sweet. It may, maybe, maybe uh, the fence, the fence issue. Uh, oh, neighbors, you don't. Know. You know, Who knows? You know, that's right. I don't know. I don't know. He was nice. He was very nice to me. I couldn't have asked for anything more. I think uh, when we talked before, you were telling me about um, John Ritter as well, and I think John was, Ritter. Wow. Yeah. I think yeah, you I were thought, saying he was one of the sweetest man you've ever met or something like that what a nice man now he's another one i i guess i'm sorry to say i closed down his radio career uh then he went on that tv show and then he died he -hmm. had just finished the broadway run and with what's his name the one who played the fonz uh yeah i know who you mean henry winkler Henry Winkler. Mm -hmm. and i had a choice of one or the other and i just this is typical me i said who's the better reader (laughs) and he said john ritter i said okay um, I met him. The, the other, he was, he was, again, these guys worked so hard. Now, they didn't have to. Uh, they were good spirit. They drove the whole production. They were so cooperative. This guy, um, in the session, when a new actor would come in, now these are people who weren't well known, they were voice people or whatever. And he'd just go, Hi, my name is John. And he'd shake hands and he'd, he'd ask them questions. We had lunch. He was telling stories. He'd ask people things. Just very, friendly and the kick was this um i the at that point the site had closed down oh no the channel they they decided they were going to expand and do all this stuff and uh my brother passed away uh i went to the funeral and when i'm in the car coming back the phone rang and i found out the it was gone that was a you know a hell of a thing then i said you know i'm in the middle of preparing a show can i finish this well, I'd gone across the street to say goodbye to the people at Sirius Satellite Radio because we were using their studio. So they immediately gave me a job 15 minutes later. 
So I, there I was over there, and I said, well, can I finish it over here? And they said, yeah. So I had that job at Sirius, and I finished this last show for them. And uh, one of the people working there was a secretary, and she knew John Ritter from Three's Company. And she just kept harassing me. You know, is he going to be up here? Is he going to be, oh, my God. Is he gonna... And the studio had glass sides, so you could actually look in. And we, we were directing. I used to come in there all the time with our, st- our stars, and people would be walking by like they, you know, they didn't want to look like they were looking. Mm-hmm. And you see the same guy looking by, like walking by, like doing this kind of duck walk and kind of looking. And then they did. They, they <laughs> he walked by again, hat, yep. Walk by again with the eyes down, then they walk by again sideways, and then have a different tie on, and they just kept doing this. <laughs> well, this, this woman was really freaked that I had, you know, John Ritter. So we had a break, and I said, John, can you do me a favor? He said, what? I said, there's a secretary here. She really, really loves you. She just loved your work. And he goes, oh, cool. I said, can you just go over and shake her hand and say you've heard all about her and you're very happy to meet her? So he said, sure. He said, where is she? I said, you see that person out there that looks like she's not looking? He said, yeah. So he went out, and I saw him. (laughs) He went out, and he said, I saw him shake her hand, and he had a big smile on her face. And I think she almost passed out. Her knees buckled, and she leaned against the wall. (laughs) I think she didn't wash her hand for a week. I mean, he didn't have to do that. I mean, but little things. Just a very nice man. That's why I was very sad when I heard he passed away. Um, uh, it, what? Uh, Speaking just personal, personal stuff here. Um, what about uh, Snow Glass Apples? Did you work on that? Is that? I, it says Neil Gaiman on my uh, list, Neil but Gaiman, I don't know. Yeah. Did he adapt it as well, or did? Uh, I mean, wait That's, a second. I think yeah. it was written for the for audio, wasn't it? Yeah, that Snow Glass Apples, I think, was a Brian. That was probably Brian. Brian Smith did that. Okay. He worked with Neil Gaiman a couple of times. Yeah, some I think Neil may have written, and maybe that might have been an adaptation of one of his. I couldn't. Do they have on there what it is? Uh, well, I think I'm pretty sure that it was done as a audio drama first, and then it was later written up uh, as a book. I know that the the at least one edition of the text came out much later than the CD that I got from Harper Audio. Wow. We did it first? I'm pretty wow. sure. I'm pretty sure. And, I mean, Neil Gaiman wasn't as huge as he is now. Um, yeah, I know. That time. was 2002. Uh, this, the yeah. CD yeah. came out. And it must have been 1999 or something like that for the, for the, the original broadcast. Or, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it. It's not a broadcast. It's a release, I guess release i guess because also and in addition i was saying it went out on uh serious uh, you know and serious but also it was it went out on audiobooks a lot of these and or yeah. you know either that that, that one was, that was paired yeah. with um the other neil gaiman one and though that i know has been a big seller i've i've you know seen it yeah. at bookstores and it's it's like it's a it's it was the one one of the ones that was released from a separate company i don't know how that happened but um there just haven't been that many good releases of of the stuff that's in there. There's a, a bunch of Dove Audio releases, I think four volumes. Yeah, um, yep. And I've got those in cassette. Um, and then there's lots that just either were never released at all, or maybe. You got it. So is that is that a rights issue, or just the company didn't care? You know anything about? Why that? It was very, it was very interesting. I guess now again, I can't speak. Brian was was closer to the, you know, the company itself than I was, but it was almost like we were our own little 
little kingdom in there. Because I thought what would have been interesting, you know, with the work we were doing is you could have used some of this stuff as, as you know, even versions to, you know, to build TV things on for the channel. You would think that they would, you know, they're, yeah, they're spending all this money. You'd think that they would have done that, but... Well, well, we were, cra- we were cracking the, yeah, we were cracking the audio right off the, you know, into making it into, uh, into, oh, look at this. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, Neil Gaiman by Neil Gaiman performed by Full Cast. I guess he did. I'm looking at the at the site now. Because I, mean, I was probably really- I'm probably the only one who's got that in his mind. But I'm yeah, sort of. I'm, I was I know with now. yeah. See, with mine, I was very picky about the credits. You know, so I I made sure everything was clear. And I don't know. That's not clear, but I it looks to me because Brian would have said something. No, produced and directed by. And there's John Colucci did the sound design. Okay, Larissa was the co-producer. There's oh, baby, baby, new work. Yeah, she's uh, that was one of the most amazing performances I've ever heard. It's just, uh, I, I, you know, I, I've never been to New York. I've never seen her on stage. Apparently, she's amazing on stage. She sure is. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've seen her. I guess on what was Cheers. She was on Cheers. Maybe a couple other things. She was in a yeah. wonderful movie, uh, and she was great in that movie. But um, in this, it's like, oh my god, what an actress, you know. And then she's she's doing sort of the. A caricature on Cheers, and I was like, "Oh, so wasted!" You know, it makes you want to sort of, you know, pack your bags, move well, to New York, and sit sit on the on the <laughs> theater no, seat, miss, waiting for the shows to come on. I miss New York. I miss New York. It's it's well, it's again, and I have not not having heard it in a while, I would have to give credit again also to the writing, and probably to the direction. And then probably to the post-production, because all that is what makes it up. But you get these certain people, and and it's great when you get these guys to free themselves in audio, especially you're free from your physical body. You can be anything you want. So, you know, you don't have to worry about the makeup. You don't have to worry about, I've got dark hair and this character is light hair, or I'm heavy and they're thin. It doesn't make any difference. You're anything you can sound like. I, I actually brought this up because uh, I've got more gossip I want you to despoil. Gossip? Me. Well, let's yeah. see. Let's <laughs> see. Okay. Um, Brian Dennehy, uh, he was in the uh, Murder yes. Mystery one. Um, yep. My sister worked with him on a... Uh, uh, worked with him. She was an extra in a movie that he was in, and she said he was a real jerk. <laughs> I said... <laughs> I, she, I'm pretty sure it was The Omen Part 4, which was a pretty awful movie. Uh, my sister's got, like, a sixth of a frame or something of screen time. <laughs> um, what are she, those? Okay. She came, I don't know how she got. I think she was working with the snake handlers or something, and uh, and I, so we were watching the movie. And said, where, "You weren't in that movie." Rewind, press play very slowly, and oh yeah, that's her. Um, no, she, I I from what I heard from Brian because I saw him come in. Uh, he was supposed to be very very nice again. Uh, another friend of mine told me about the Dennehy boys, mm-hmm. that they went to uh, Hofstra University here in New York, in Long Island. And they're still known. And, and the brother, I think the older brother is the one who got him into, got the famous Dennehy into into movies and stuff. But he was the first one who started as an actor and as a director. He's still directing theater. Is that Ed Dennehy? Uh, I'm I looking believe. at the credits here and it says uh, he played Zeph Kyle. Yeah, he played a yeah, he. I used. I directed him in a couple of pieces. Too. Oh, neat. Very, but no, Brian. I understood was was a nice guy. There were some people who I heard from Brian were were. Uh, 
<laughs> I won't say it. I won't, uh, you know. Okay. I don't like My grandmother said, if you can't say anything nice, don't say <laughs> Again, you don't know. You don't know. You know, people come in and they're, maybe they didn't want to do it in the first place. Maybe they had a yeah. bad day. Maybe yeah. they're well, a lot I mean, of if you're working on the omen part four, you might be a little upset anyways, right? No, and also with, with this kind of stuff too here, let's say people are unsure. Wow, I've got a script. Well, I'm not that good of a reader. You know, I usually memorize, or they do it in little takes, or they, you know, and now I've got all these microphones, and everybody's staring at me in the glass, and the, I have these, these pro voice people all around me playing these other parts, and God, I'm really not sure of myself, and that can yeah, come out as, yeah, as being, I, see that. You know, I, try and, I try and really put people at ease and just find out where they're coming from and, and work with them, that's all. And I, I, I personally have had no problem with anybody I've ever worked with. They could not have been nicer. Maybe it was me. I don't know. But it had to be them, too. Hmm. Not an evil word for me. <laughs> other, other productions, I don't know. I can't say. Well, I, uh, you've got some other productions. There, there was um, a Voices in the Wind. I guess either you emailed them to email me or something like that. I, I just got a, uh, an email the other day uh, saying, hey, why aren't you... I, I think I was saying to you, I don't think they're online. I don't think they, they have a website or anything. And now they they're online. They've got MP3 downloads, uh, not of everything, but a, of a good you know three or four or five episodes. A couple of your productions yep, um, yep. every now and then, and School Spirit are uh, right. both half hour, yeah, about half hour each, and those are available. Um, School Spirit was a live one. Yeah, and talk it looks, about pressure. It looks like you know? it's actually for radio too. Like, was that was that broadcast live on radio, or was that recorded live and then? I, if I can help it, if I can help it, I try and avoid that. It sounds good, but I try and make it recorded live for radio. Right. You know, and then in post-production, a lot of times you just can't get the levels right. You know, it's in the old days of radio, you had people who did this over and over and over again. So by the time they did the 80 millionth episode of The Lone Ranger, yeah. they knew it. Or if, if they practiced, you know, they had a long time for rehearsal. And these you don't. That way you can fix, you record a rehearsal, you record a live one, and it is basically what they did. But you can clean it up. It's with open mind. I'm, I'm picky technically. Because also, the way you are on a mic, if the footsteps are too loud, you know, it's, it, it blows the whole image. Yeah. That whole level, or you know, the footsteps are going right to left and the voice is going left to right. Oopsie, you know, what's that? It's that little, you're building it out of, out of little puzzle pieces. And those puzzle pieces have to be right. It's a mosaic. So hence, now I'm doing, I just came from Canada and I'm going to be doing a live Christmas production up there. I didn't know that when I spoke so to you the first time, Jason. It must be all Ontario somehow is getting all this. So we don't get a lot of radio drama production in uh, BC. It's, it's mostly out of, um, it used to be Toronto with CBC Toronto. Yeah. A lot. It's a little bit in Halifax. And there's a lot of amateur productions. That's what I hear most of, right? Well, invite me and I'll do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Get some Straight theater guys and do it. Straight no, together, put it together. I mean, now I'm working up there. I'm asking for actors. Although I'm doing this the way I, when I first worked with uh, David Farquhar with Voices in the Wind. And it wasn't Voices in the Wind then. It was just, uh, it was supposed to be a story that was written. The woman who was going to write it was killed in a car crash. And I, then uh, uh, I was told about that. And they said, would you like to work with him and then write a script? I said, oh, my God. Oh, sure. Okay. And I talked to David, and I didn't know who he had around. I, you know, I wasn't up there. Mm -hmm. 
So I didn't know what actors he had. So I said, send me recordings of everybody. So he sent me little recordings, and I wrote the script for them by voice, which they said, boy, that's odd. But no, that's how you write orchestrally. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean, that's yeah. interesting that you start with the actors, and then you, you write the Yeah, that's what you were saying with the... the um the special, the sound effects as well, right? It's it's you Sometimes start with what I, yeah, you have, and you, you rather than the other well, way. Well, let's yeah. Well, if I have a bunch of people I've never met before, and I write everybody has an Armenian accent, and then you go up there and find out nobody can do it, you know, then you end up with these garbage productions again. Sometimes one of, one you of my favorite to, audio dramas, I guess, does that too. Uh, there's um, there's an amateur production. Um, uh, called Jake Sampson Monster Hunter, and it's uh, it's a it's a 1930s uh, sort of cross between uh, Tales of the Gold Monkey, which is a 1930s airplane show that was filmed in Hawaii, and yeah. uh, and Indiana Jones, kind of that with with a lot more uh, of the mummy sort of thrown in, or <laughs> vampires or something. And what they did there is is just all the people who were in that audio drama troupe said let's work together so the guy from texas he plays a texan <laughs> and the guy from uh i don't know england he plays the englishman right that's smart that's yeah smart. and but there it's like it's almost like role-playing right they're they're doing a role-playing adventure but it's scripted and yeah. Yeah. and they have fun with it and it i mean it doesn't classify you know it's not high literature but it's so entertaining i don't i don't I yeah don't, i don't care if I write good flute music for the flute, then the flute will sound good, and I'll sound good. If I write flute music and a tuba plays it, it's going to be a mess. Uh, I'm doing that with that Canadian production. Now, I don't know who the heck they're going to have. Yet those two plays I'm writing for uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, that's I'm writing them as plays, and they're going to cast them and direct them. So I don't know what's going to pop up out of those. So cool. Yeah. Ah, but it's sometimes, you know, when you do stuff like this, I like the challenge. You try and write it from... Uh, I think I had mentioned... Uh, I don't know, possibly when I spoke to you, Jesse. It was a piece, a solo piece I wrote for um, uh, Simon Jones. He was showing up at the National Audio Theater Festivals. And I, I forgot... Oh, Splendid Your Honor is the name of it. And I wrote it for solo voice and sound effects. And the sound effects were all... I, I loaded it onto a guy's keyboard. He was a musician. And I rehearsed him with that. And then Simon flew in and read it once and then did it live. I mean, it's a kick. And I had to do this fast. They didn't know if he was coming in till the last minute. I said, what am I going to do? And I found a CD with some sound effects I had just put on there, you know, for another show. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'll write it to the sound effects in this order, <laughs> which is a weird way to do wow. it. And that saved a lot of time. And I wrote it. And he did it. And I was directing it. But I guess I'm very proud that I wrote it so that as a director, I was standing, it was performed live in front of an audience. I was standing there and I very rarely had to raise my hand. They were both, and I, I build it as, you know, when you build it as something purposeful, people think you did it on purpose. I build it as a solo for, a, a duo for actor and sound effects. So people said, ah, very erudite. <laughs> no, because I had one actor and a guy and a keyboard. If it had been bicycle pump, it would have been actor and bicycle pump. And, <laughs> and he did it. He, he went through this solo. It's a, a man who wanders into a court and he's supposed to present a case for his brother-in-law. And it just gets all tangled up. He pretty much tears the courtroom apart. 
and Pride, he kept going, Splendid, Your Honor, Splendid. And he used that, that wonderful Simon Jones voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so mm. stupid. <laughs> does, that, does that exist anywhere? I would love to hear that. Oh, sure it does. Sure it does. I got it. <laughs> I make sure I have. I make sure I have copies of all this stuff. Well, why don't we have a uh, a website for you? Oh my God! Why? Yeah. Hey, do you do you see what my Skype picture is? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I just got my picture today, and that's I'm very shy. Like me either. Hey, you, you look just like I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm very shy about that. I'm not. It's funny, and I I'm one of the first. When I was younger, I was one of the first. I had one of. The, I went to an honors high school. It was one of the first ones that had computers. So I've been doing computers since I was a little kid, and I'm not afraid of it. And I also broke into my dad's tape recorder when I was a little kid. So, but it's funny. Technically, I'm kind of shy. I don't. I don't know about having a web page. Well, I should. I, I certainly mean, appear everywhere else. You mean God's you're sake. you're shy about you know being stalked or something like that? Because no, 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 no. I've been stalked. I've had guys come up and be, oh, now I'll do another voice. How about this one? And how about this one? And you go, they sound the same to me. How about this one? Well, hmm. the thing is, is it can be a, um, it can be a time sink. Uh, I don't mind. I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not. But, I'm not, I mean, when, when I'm linking to, to this, this podcast, I've got nothing. All I can link to is, you know, the, the senior theater post. And, and that's, that's a shame. I want to be able to say, hey, people who are interested in, George Czar, click here. Oh, God. All the zipper stuff we did, all that. I'm actually going to a storage space now uh, here in New York, and I have all their original tapes, all the original stuff we did, all the tracks. Um, and it was. I did I did straighten up a Visit New Grimston anyway. It was a 26-part series I wrote with Andrew Jaffe for NPR. Um, I got it a little more into shape for Sirius, and it was on Sirius. But, uh, you know, that's around. Vlad Chepesh Dracul was written by Tammy Pierce, who's a big sci-fi. Wow. A, yeah. A, 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 yeah. Wow. yeah. See, everybody does that, and I say Tammy Pierce, and they go, "Oh, you mean tomorrow?" Well, that's <laughs> how we know her. We don't know her personally. <laughs> she was in Zipper. She wrote the first book when we were there. She gave me the stupid manuscript, and I brought it to work, and I almost had a heart attack copying it for her. Watching wow. this go through the thing, going kachung kachung. If you happen to see a, 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 those books, what is it? Um, Alana, the first adventure, I think, is the very first one she wrote. Mm-hmm. Check out the map and check out who drew it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I got a, I got a little little uh, uh, IT like uh, you know uh, template and did all the things and everything. It ended up in the book. Oh wow! I like maps. What the hell? Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Did yeah. you? Uh, I'm just spitballing here, but we were talking about um, Simon. Simon Jones and um, Simon Jones. Yeah. One of the things that he did uh, last year was um, the Adventures of Sexton Blake. Did you get a chance to hear that? No, I didn't. I know about it. But, it was terrific. Uh, this, this teaching has really taken a lot of time. <laughs> now I'm wow. meeting up. With, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm catching up with people here now. I'm in New York. I'm, I'm meeting uh, Sarah Montague, who's very big with WNYC over here on NPR, an audio drama background. She grew up with us in Zipper. Uh, Tammy, I haven't seen a Tamara. Tamora, it's called me. I haven't seen Tamora in a while. Uh, Andrew Jaffe is working with a theater company. now, But I'm working with other people now. Um, uh, Marcy Mencotti is very big in, in Chicago. Oh, we talked about I'm going to see um, uh, uh, Barbara Rosenblatt. Big oh. uh, audio voice and actor. Yeah. and She's, she's going to make curious. me a chocolate egg cream. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, is, is there a big crossover between 
audiobook narrators and audio dramatists, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Barbara happens to be unusual. She's one of the top voices. Yeah. But she is also, she has acted on Broadway. She's acted on TV. And I first met her directing her in an audio drama. And this woman called Marcy Mancati. And this other guy called Gary Caffell, who's the sound guy on Letterman. I mean, I met all these guys in one production. I didn't even cast it. I was the director. And I made three good friends that day. Yeah, uh, Lawrence Block has a book about New York called Small Town. It sounds like the audio audio departments are even smaller. smaller it towns. is. It is. It is. It is. That's why I miss it. And I lived right in the heart of Manhattan. So, you know, you wake up in the morning and that nonsense is going on all around you. Wonderful, wonderful. Wonderful mm. nonsense. That sounds good. Yeah, Chicago, nice, very nice. But it's like Manhattan on a Sunday afternoon. I mean, well, cement is my nature. <laughs> That's, you know, you put me in a forest, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like being on Mars. Mm-hmm. I like it, but... So um, the one the one I always recommend people uh, of the senior theater stuff that I always recommend people download is uh, the Moon Moth. I which is very I, flattering. Thank you. That's I, it's, it's just an it's an amazing story. It's an excellent adaptation because it's 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 rather different than the the I mean not so much in plot wise, but as in the way it's presented is very different. And yet it keeps all the, the story, in, and actually, I think it's condensed. Um, yet it has a, a, an added introductory scene. Um, no, it's actually not condensed. It's Most of these things I dealt with were like six pages long or something, and then I I'd end up... Is, I think I, this is a rather long one. It's, it's, uh, it shows up at 73 minutes, but um, I think, you know, if, if you just sat down and read the story, it would probably take an hour. Think no, so? Not, was... not an hour, uh, an hour and a half or so. Yeah. See, now, if I had a second here... Oh, I, I shut the page. Oh. I would have just looked up the script. <laughs> it's right on here. That was... Well, see, now, I wanted to do that one. The way they asked us to adapt stories, they handed me two big sci-fi anthologies. They said, so pick what you want to do. Wow. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. what, what anthologies I, were those? I'd love to know. I don't know. They're on my shelf somewhere. Uh, and I... I, I just started working my way through, and I just waited to see what struck me. Well, the, uh, if if when you get home, uh, please let me know because it's it's kind of strange. Right before we uh, started recording, I was actually working on this uh, post about uh, a new project on LibriVox. LibriVox is the free audiobook uh, website that turns public domain audio uh, books into audiobooks, and they mm-hmm. just started this strange project that is finding all the public domain stories of X minus one. And turning the, turn, making audiobooks out of the original text, um, and and then making that a collection. And Wait I thought, minute. oh, that's original text. You mean you mean from the scripts? No, the original stories that the scripts were. Uh, 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 that a lot of time. Well, they're going to be surprised to find out most of that stuff is is copyrighted. No, um, it's it's they've got at least six stor- eight stories here that are. I mean, really? X minus one was in the fifties, right? And yeah, but a lot of those have... stories were published in the fifties, but these ones are all public domain. They're, don't don't you worry on these ones because they're if they're, free, they if they're so free. so. But careful. it's something pre nineteen twenty three, I think, is what it is. No, no it, it, there's stuff up to nineteen sixty three right now. Um, it it depends on you know a whole bunch of details, but the main thing is 
Um, if it wasn't copyright renewed after a certain period, it's it's public domain. Ah, ah, that's true. And after I think it was seventy two or seventy three is one. Uh, yeah. There is a, there's a seventy two, seventy three, and it, you know it's different for every country as well. But um, right. but these I had these, to deal with that. Yeah, I had to draw my own contract, so I was always dealing with uh, oh, publishers nice. and studios and authors. This is uh, on top of everything else I was doing. So I kind of you got all sorts of stories out of that. Well, it's interesting if you can. I mean, I'll find the books. It's, yeah, I'd, I'd just love to know. You know, you're going through that book and you say, "Well, this one's this is a good story, but it wouldn't have, it wouldn't adapt well." I mean, the thing is, is the the stories that are in seeing your theater are a combination of original stories, adaptations right. of very classic science fiction, and um, the experimental stuff. I guess is 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 and there's there's some. Some mo- a couple of modern ones, but those are usually adapted by the author themselves, right? Yeah, Tony Daniel did his usually. Right. Um, although I directed it, I know one of them. Um, 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 yeah, see, in going through those books, though, it was not an issue of whether they were free or free and clear. It was just no, no, would, of course not. Although I got stopped on on uh, what's his name? Uh, oh God, um, what's his first name? His last name is Ten. William Ten, yeah. William Ten, okay. That uh, I found the story I wanted, and then I called him up, and he told me that, uh, you know, the, a movie theater had the right, a movie company had the rights on it. Now they had no intention of ever doing it. So he said, maybe you just like this one, and he just sent me one, and it was such a hoot. I mean, I oh, child's play, yeah. And then I was busy, so I had Andrew Jaffe adapt it for me, and then I did the did the production. What was the was, one that uh, that you uh, wanted to do originally? You know, remember? If, if, okay, if you give me a second. Oh God, no! If you give me a second, I'll actually call up the page. Oh, that's great. I kept good files, <laughs> and fortunately, they're all online. Well, keep talking while I'm looking. You don't want sure. to have dead air. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, what? There, there was a couple of. I think there was one um, novel that got turned into an audio drama as well. Um, Kindred was that a novel? Yeah, Kindred. No- I believe. Yeah, that yeah, was. That was uh, Brian. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, adapted yeah. by Tony Brown, Daniel, and then uh, uh, okay, directed by Brian Smith and Jackie Kaskuna. That was his uh, girlfriend, soon to be his wife. Uh huh. And produced by Brian Smith and Larissa James. Larissa James was the assistant producer. Now I- I'm not sure. I actually haven't got the uh, running time on that, but it- it's 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 pretty big. And the thing is, is isn't it always the case that Audio drama is adapted for about a half hour mark. No. I mean, ninety minutes well, is, is the exception, if, if, except no. in the UK, maybe. Well, here's here's the thing. We had, and I don't know if this was a you know again this kind of played against it. That okay, an X minus one or things like that. You had a time slot. You had yeah, a hit. Exactly thirty minutes or twenty. So if you had an yeah, you, they give you an anthology. You've got to get that. Oh, five thousand stories, half an hour. You know, two pages half an hour. In this case, what Brian felt was that since we're on the web, it could be anything you want. Yeah. There's no such thing as 30. I was crazy. I kept timing them that way. You know, I said just in case, but, you know, so you have 32, so you have... I'm, I'm getting 73 minutes and yeah, 20 minutes. It's, it's long and, and there's a couple of very short ones, but yeah, it's the freedom of the the, the lack of limitations. It's, it's not even, you weren't even thinking for, you know, CD release, were you? Uh, no, not at that time. Yeah. No, the main thing was the web, and it would go to other places, and it did. 
Okay, here we go. I'm looking for you here. What do you think about Child's Play? Yeah, da, da. What do we got? It's funny. I'm looking at the actual facts. Oh, this is an audition request. <laughs> it's a contract right. everything. Public letter agents. Tony. Oh, Tony Daniel would always write the blurbs. Well, well um, uh, I think we talked last time we talked um, talked about Sorry, Wrong Number and the, the it's a famous, a very famous um, play. Uh, you you and Brian worked on it together live, and then yes. you did a sequel, which I don't I don't know how many sequels there have ever been done to audio dramas, you know, from the you know from the fifties or the 40, maybe the forties, you know, up to the you know skipping forty years and then you do a sequel. Uh, what was what was it like to do that? Okay, first let me tell you the story was time in advance. Oh, okay. Cool. Here it is. Here's the th- here's what I sent, and uh, it didn't work. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. Philip. Drag Glass. it into the thing. There you go. Well, that's that's the one that didn't go. Okay, so what was it like? Um, Brian wanted to do it, so he wrote something, and it wasn't coming out, or I don't know what it was. So I said, "Look, just write it out. Just write it out. Just go." Because he was busy, he was doing something. I said, and "Then I'll overwrite it, and then we'll be co-writers." So he just knocked out something, and then I overwrote it. But really, you know, heavy overriding. So we worked, you know, side by side with it. And then there it was. That was it. We had one thing with this woman coming back and uh, well, the guy, husband coming back and he's beating the grave with this shovel. And there's this, there's this whole, this <laughs> whole screwy thing going on. It was a sequel to Sorry, Wrong Number? Yeah, yeah I thought that was pretty odd. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, we had but just done Sorry, Wrong Number. Yeah. Um, Jumping Niagara. Jumping Niagara. Jumping Niagara Falls, yeah. How about that? And I don't know if the version that went up, we actually re-edited it. It was live. We did, first we did Sorry, Wrong Number with, um, what was her name? Oh. oh, oh, oh. Uh, Claire Bloom is uh, Miss Leona Stevenson. And Tim Jerome plays uh, someone. Yeah, and he played the husband then later. Or No, somebody else played the wife. I forgot how we, you know, I can't remember. We did it so fast. I always ended up writing pages of script going up an escalator to, a, to an auditorium. <laughs> that I'm in that one. I play one of the bad guys in Sorry, Wrong Number. Oh, yeah. And then First I man some, and information. And then some supporting idiot in, in uh, Jumping Niagara. But I remember we had to do a thing where they had to beat it up. So we actually set up in sound effects some fruit salad. We had fruit cut up, and he's beating the hell out of the fruit. It's supposed to be he opened up a coffin, and he's hitting the body, and everybody's going, Oh! And on the stage, it smelled of fruit salad. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was all salivating, and the audience is getting burnt out. Never smelled so good. <laughs> no, it was wonderful. I still remember that. Oh, um, there, there's a, a great producer of um, what what he's calling field recorded audio drama in uh, Fred Greenhalgh. In um, he's in Maine, and he he has a video on YouTube showing how he did one of his. His field recorded productions, and I think he's got a a pumpkin that he's using to to chop into. You know, the sound of the the flesh getting chopped, and it's it's a, amazing. Yeah, when you do that and you close mic it, it really sounds gross. It's it sounds frightening and scary and all that. <laughs> well, you break necks by twisting uh, celery, right? And you do that with somebody going Urk! and people just get it's horrible. We oh, we did some gross stuff with I forgot the show. It was one of the um, Tales from the Crypts. 
Yeah, uh, actually, anything zombies, I think, works pretty well on, <laughs> on, on oh. audio drama. It's surprising that there isn't more of it, really. We were just falling all over each other doing the post on that, just laughing. You know? <laughs> it, it, it's fun to do. It just it comes out gross. You think, man, these people are psychopaths doing this. But it, you know, doing those sounds to get people to go, ugh, or ah, and it's just sound. You cannot see anything. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the power of this stuff. I love it. Which is why I still do it. Um, uh, what did we talk about uh, the J. Michael Straczynski series? Um, ah, that was Babylon Five. No, no, the, the, the he was doing that at the time. City, the City of Dreams series. Um, right, that's what, Brian Smith. Okay, um, was was it? We really had. We really did have the Smith unit and the Czar unit. You okay, know? so Very you don't. Funny. You don't uh, like the thing is is. Right now, I've had this campaign going I, since I got 2007 to get some CBC-produced audio drama yeah. uh, by J. Michael Straczynski released. It has never been released. It's been finished. It's in a drawer somewhere, and they oh. just never released it for whatever reason. Um, and I'm like, you know, this. I'd love to have seen this on CD so people could I could point to this and say, look, look, this should be released because I really like that series. I thought it was. It was an anthology, I guess, in the tradition of the Outer Limits or something right, similar, right? right, right. Um, or even like Tales of the Crypt, except, um, <clears throat> excuse me, except uh, Tales of the Crypt is more uh, horror-based. I mean, it's also got a unifying. Um, I don't well, know. Tales of the Crypt. They just unloaded a couple of boxes and they had all the comic books. Yeah. And then we each grabbed a hunk of them <laughs> <laughs> and went through them and then started writing some of them. I, I think that that would be an awesome way to just because the EC comics are so they're, they're short, they're gruesome, and they've got a sense of humor. Yeah, we really added a lot to those. My God, that was that was oh that I mean, that was uh, John Ritter was in that one. Yeah, he was in one of those. I um, played it. That, that was my uh, Raquel Starace did the adaptation. Um, that one, I, there's one scene where they run into a monster on the road and they run out of gas and. I'll play that for students, and they just, they're horrified. And I'll stop and go, you didn't see anything. There's nothing, it's all in your head. It's funny with audio drama, I've had a chance to, to, to present it or to do it, you know, in front of little kids. And, you know, grade school, high school, college, elder hostel, the guys who really remember it, you know, the older people. And I haven't found an audience yet that doesn't react positively and always ask why isn't there more of this you know I, I do think right of the silvery moon that was the that's the one that's the one, yeah. that's the one. They had the modern day sheriff in New Mexico faces deadly perils irate environmentalists and angry ranchers yeah chupacabras show up in it <laughs> it was so funny and the guy who played uh, 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 John Ritter played a sheriff and he had a deputy and so the guy said I'll, I'll play his voice like uh, like Don Knotts because Don Knotts was on Three's Company. He played oh. some neighbor or somebody, or I don't know. So yeah, yeah. Ritter, John Ritter was just laughing every time he did that. He goes, you sound just like him. <laughs> so the, the two, he couldn't stop laughing. He kept blowing takes. Uh, but it was fun. I mean, people thought we had Don Knotts there. It was just an actor. <laughs> that's great. Well, that would have been, that, you know, he, he, that's, that's pretty funny because, you know, I, I think Don Knotts, and I think my first encounter with, with him was, uh, probably as a guest star on the Scooby Doo show or something, and I said, "Who's this oh guy? God. Who's this guy?" You know, he's like a cartoon version of Don Knotts with Don Knotts' voice, and I, 
who is this guy? I don't know who this guy is. But uh, then I see him in, you know, some movie or something, and oh, I get it. <laughs> well, um, and they had reruns, I think it was Andy Griffith, the Andy Griffith show from yeah. years right, ago. Right, right. Yeah. That was the one that made him really famous. For sure. I think. For sure. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. Yeah, when I came along, that he was already, you know, these old Andy Griffith reruns, and there he was. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, I tell people um, that I've got a couple of favorites, but I, I, I'm, I'm thinking the other one that is just amazing. Uh, I'm not sure who wrote it, so if it's you, uh, compliments to you, and if it's not you, then, um, well, no, compliments hey, I, to whoever else. But I, I, worked for the, I worked for the team. I worked Fair for the team. Tonight, follow, followed by Increasing Clottiness. Increasing Clottiness. Yeah, I picked that one. Andrew Jaffe, my, my old partner from New Grimston, wrote the script, and I directed it. It's an amazing. It's an amazing. One, boy, you like all mine. Wow. Okay. Well, I think you you did a lot of them, right? So it's not yeah, surprising. Yeah. Okay. I feel like a lot of them, but also there, it's just a, there's so many great productions. I, I mean, oh no, and we all no no, and Brian and I took chances with a lot of different stuff. It was neat working with Brian because I had been a, uh, you know, I, I came in there for projects. I did a few, and he said, you know, one day, George, if I ever get the money, I would like to hire you in as the second producer. You know, we both went, ha, 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 And then he called me up right before it was the, uh, I forgot where I was, I was going on vacation. And he said, we got it. Come on down. All right. I went down. I met the boss and then went on vacation. And then I worked there. So, uh, Fair Tonight with Increasing Cloudiness, for the people who don't know, this is uh, stars Keith David, uh, who I I just love in film. He's, he's, he's I don't know if he's ever had the leading role, but he's... He's always um, he plays tough guys a lot, but I think he's uh, he does comedy and Asif Manvi, who's on the Daily Show, I think it is. Again, he's a, I had seen him in an off off Broadway thing. I knew I wanted. It was written for uh, Andrew wrote it for an, uh, a driver with a Pakistani or Indian accent, and I remembered him as an actor. And I actually traced what the name of that show was and found him wow. and got him. So it was him and Keith again. Two, you couldn't get two nicer people. Boy, but we just sometimes you'd think it was horror. We'd all stop and like just have our heads down laughing, and then we, you know, we'd go back to work again. Yeah, Keith David plays like a he's a, I guess a relative of Van Helsing, or he is Van Helsing, and uh, or something like that. And uh, and he's sort of he's almost rabid, right? He's almost rabidly trying to. He's a vamp. He's a vampire hunter. Right, and and the taxi driver is like. I'm not sure what's going on here, but I don't like this. Um, that's, see, that's all Andrew Jaffe. Andrew is a great writer, oh, a good comedy writer, a super, super writer. Again, you'd see these these original stories were like three pages. You know, you'd have to you know make these a half an hour. So most of it was us, you know, putting stuff in. Uh, uh, in that same collection, uh, this is actually available on CD from years ago. It's probably out of print and possible to find right. except on eBay, but. Um, Tales from the Crypt, uh, 2002 release was. Um, right. Right. Uh, there was another one uh, with Campbell Scott, Carrie and Death. Is that yours? Nope. 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 Uh, my. What did I have? Um, We've got you Zombie, Tight Grip, uh, Little Stranger, Island of Death. I think that might have been yours. Not sure about. I don't that. think so. I don't think that so. That was Luke, think... Luke Perry and Gina Gershon. Yeah. We talked about the two we talked about. I think were the ones. The ones with the, the one with John Ritter. Uh huh. Uh, Fair Tonight, followed by... I don't know which is which. By the Fright of the Silvery Moon. By the Fright of the Silvery Moon is, is John Ritter, yeah. 
and then I had the one this trick will kill you, which didn't make the collection. Yeah, that's the. Uh, there's eight releases and seven on the CD uh, on the CD set. Right. I think right. for whatever right. reason, maybe it was. I don't know. I think it was too screwy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it, it's available somewhere, right? Uh, on your site, I think. Is it? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think we have it. I think what oh. I have. What I what I have was what was released on another site, and I've just deep linked to it. Um, added a lot should, of details. We should, we should talk offline, and maybe I can help you with some please, of these missing. Please. Yeah, I've got that one. I've got that one. I haven't I haven't heard it since it you know since uh, it was on the site. Me too. <laughs> which has got to be what? When did Senior Theater? What what was its heyday? Nineteen ninety eight to nineteen. Oh, maybe 2000, maybe 2001? 2002. Or, I think we talked about that one day, and I was actually looking at some of these emails and things to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, one day it was, the very last thing I did was, was the um, uh, the John Ritter one. And Brian had the site going before I even knew about it. So I guess you're uh, Okay, right I've it. written here, it's between 1997 and 2001, dozens of science fiction and fantasy stories were produced in... And it's not just science fiction and fantasy. There's other stuff too, but mostly, you know, horror sure. or that that related. But um, what I've always said is that that's if the Sci-Fi Channel ever did anything good, it was this. Um, you know, a lot of people told us that, and I, you know, again, I was not connected with the higher echelons. I, I worked through Brian, but you know, I thought, hey, you've got this group that's producing this stuff, and again, we're cracking the dramatic spine of all these stories. You can actually hear them. And you know, expand them, do stuff with them. Uh, I don't think it was ever done. No. So you know, not not my call for whatever reasons. But I do think we were an independent little duchy, you know, <laughs> going on. There. And again, for whatever reasons, they you know they had great plans and then literally pulled the plug the next minute. Uh, not not one of your productions, but maybe you can elucidate. Possibly, yeah. um, uh, the time machine. They, there was an, a very different kind of adaptation by Charles Potter it says I, I'm not familiar Charlie with Potter Charlie Potter is um, had a long career at WBAI over here in New York he's now uh, teaching at WNYU uh, he knows everybody and their brother Charlie I think he won a Grammy I don't know hmm. uh, yeah for one of his productions yeah he's he's a yeah that's one of his I knew him before I, I ever joined this group But he's another guy who grew up, although he's older than me. You know, you have to be way older to, to actually have been around during these times. These are all guys who grew up with TV. So any other dirt? <laughs> <laughs> well, probably. Probably. Um, let's, let's think about it. Um, it, was quite, it was quite, but this was quite an experience. I mean, it was, it was cool. I met a lot of good people. Uh, the actors came from Broadway, they came from a lot of the, you know, and we also did, it was all voiceover people. People who did commercials. We'd send the scripts to the agents and they'd just send us, you know, voices back and we'd pick people. It was like that. And we'd pick stars, we'd go through People Magazine or whatever, let's, let's use them. And you call them up and they'd show up. <laughs> Amazing to have that ability. It's, it, it almost seems like, uh, you know, it, if, if, if uh, we didn't have the recordings at all, it would sound mm-hmm. like a lie, like that it never happened because 
you know, the audio drama of the of the fifties, um, there were productions that used uh, the stars of Hollywood, and they were right. always recycling either or, or it was a star owned thing. You know, Humphrey Bogart had his own show, um, and there would be the Lux Radio Theater, which is doing right. redoing the movie that is coming. It's a way of promoting the movie, I guess. Um, they would they would do it that that way, but the idea of you know X minus one with Humphrey Bogart, I can't imagine it, right? And yet you've got real name actors doing amazing production. Uh, the thing is, is X minus one is basically just a story delivery system. It doesn't have the, um, I guess it's not the experimentation, but the the rich. Um, way you can tell a story in audio drama that they they were sort of more of a factory it seemed like you know well, yeah but it's, it's turning like out stuff. enough yeah. to fill the week weekly slot and mm-hmm. um, but money so you have to have a okay what's going to pay for this mm-hmm. that's the model you know you couldn't sell enough CDs or enough you know and this was almost like a in a way it was almost like a come on to you know, to to explore this sci- the seeing you know uh, sci fi channel. Yeah. Before it was spelled sci fi or whatever. Yeah. You know, to actually watch that on TV. Uh, I know at the time the site was voted like one of the best sites in, on the on the net. I mean, they had so many movies, original Flash movies and games, and th- I mean, it was quite a site. Yeah. And they had our corner with the original audio drama, and I mean, very daring. But you know, again, it, how do you pay for it? I think it could have been if we had, if they had used it as a as a grounds for developing things. I think it could have paid for itself. Yeah, easily. yeah. But because uh, think of you know all the all the money that goes into making a pilot. Uh, you know you could I don't almost half that. There's no s- sets to build, right? There's it's oh. just the actors, and they don't take as much time to you know you don't have to have them in studios as long, right? No, you do a show. I mean, it's probably what they spend on catering one day in a movie. Exactly. Um, you know? You stop to pay the stars to be in it, but uh, you know you don't have to have them as long, so it's a lot cheaper. Well, and also at that point we weren't even—I guess I was one of the only guys who did a, a long-distance recording. Uh, what was it, Doctor? Uh, I think that's uh, the one I've got the picture uh, for. Uh, yes, that was the um, there it uh, is. Death there of it Captain is. Future, maybe. Yeah, and they're in California with Brian Smith, and I was supposed to be there too. And I had a, a family thing going on here, so I had to stay in New York. And they're listening to me on the headphones. And I'm playing Captain Future, and I'm sitting in the studio in New York with John Colucci. Uh, Marina Sirtis and uh, Neil right. Dickin- Dixon, it says in my picture. Is that is that correct? Neil Dixon is the guy on the left? I don't know who that is. Okay. I never saw them. <laughs> okay. I acted with them. They didn't know who I was because I was playing some, some crazy guy in a spaceship and then a 4,000-pound guy and... So uh, you're you're not the actor, but you're you're playing the actor until the uh, you you didn't play the actor in that, did you? Oh yeah, oh yeah. The way we did it, and this I came uh-huh. up with this. We came up with a cheapskate way of doing it. They literally just patched me over a phone line, so they were listening to me over a phone line, a regular phone, but I was being recorded in New York. Then they just took the two pieces and put them together. So I my I don't have uh, any of the cast details on that, so. If, you ever want to upload that stuff to me? I'll add those in here. It says, um, based on the story by Alan Steele, adapted by Brian Smith, doesn't mention your name at all. So 
I'd love to oh. add those details in there. For Good the Lord, I even, wrote, I even wrote the music for that one. Yeah, that's that, there's a chance you have a chance to act against your own music. That's the reason really I don't have them, of course, is not because I I didn't want to put them there. It's just because it wasn't ever put up on the website. You know, I'd have if to check was, to see they weren't. If they see for my productions, I kept the text. I mean, I actually wrote it, wrote it out while I remembered it and sent it, and then it would go up on the website. So I do have the records for that, and I also was telling everybody, hey, this this website is like the New York Times. It's like the paper of record. You know, let's make sure in the future this is where people will go, not knowing it would be on your site. Yeah. But this is where they'll find out the information. Yeah, I suppose. If, if, yeah, and those things didn't have credits, did they? They never ran credits. Uh, so, uh, they put a lot of credits on, or it would say coming soon. And in some cases, they're just either I couldn't find um, a, a working link through, you know, none of the links work, but through the Internet Archive, I was sort of doing archaeology of a kind. And reconstructing the page as it appeared in 1998 in May yeah. and it would say coming soon and then 1999 it would be a completely different structure and so I couldn't I couldn't find a lot of it I mean I there may check, be missing so, art I, you know what I could do with you guys too is let me let me check uh, I might have every once in a while if I saw something interesting like your web page mm-hmm. um, I would just copy the whole page so mm-hmm. I probably have it I may have it you know just I said let me copy the whole site Boom. So I may have this entire thing. Well, that would Great. that would be awesome. That's awesome. Too. That's crazy too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, see, I did it. It's interesting that that there has been. I understood an underground with this going on, although I never until I talked talked to uh, Jesse. I've never talked to anybody who was involved in it. Well, I'm, knew it I, I, I'm not sure how. I don't think we're doing anything illegal at all because we're just no, 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 but, no. But I mean um, that, that that this lives on. That there is interest in this, that yeah. people are, you know, again, we were are, doing the laundry, doing the so laundry by flushing people, it down the toilet. You know, there's so many people who remember it. You know, people who didn't grow up with the internet in the last three years, the last five years, but the last ten years, who are aware of it. And those people who saw it love it. And so there, I, 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 I haven't found all that much, except what I've posted up here, um, most of the material I have is from the cassettes or the CDs, and uh, they were devil of a hard time to get. I mean, in Canada, you can you we had we had chapters back then. That's the big book big box bookstore, and Amazon didn't have .ca right. at the time, but you could get stuff. It was just a lot harder. Well, you know what's funny? I bet you John Colucci has the originals of everything too. He was the the the. Uh the tech guy on most of it. I bet you, I bet you. Although, like I said, with my productions, I'd always make sure I got a good copy of everything. Yeah, you got, you got to get a and, and put up at least a few tasters of things that that you have in the... Uh, in the Well, well the mean, voices of the wind. It's not, you heard it's that. not that hard. We're, we're running a website. It can't be that hard, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop, stop. You do a very good job. Thank you do a you. very good job. Mm. No, no, like I said, I came across it on my own. And uh, very neat. Well, I'm flattered. It's very nice. It's nice to know, you know, when you do work, as you you know too with yours, and that it does affect other people and other people. You know, you don't even know who's looking at it. That's right. Or who's listening to it. And suddenly now here it comes. You know, I'm very much my work because I do so many things. I'm like a farmer who just, you know, I'm plowing the field and I'm just, you know, I don't look behind me. I'm always looking at the back end of the horse in the front. 
So to start reminding me of things 15 rows back, you know, I, you know, it's kind of cool. You make me remember stuff, too. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.